Hey, Coop. Okay, well, let's, um, let's get started. Uh, I'll uh, open us in prayer and then uh, kind of orient how we're going to do this. Lord, thank you for gathering us tonight. Thanks that we do get to see each other's faces, and we pray for a good, thoughtful conversation. We want to be um, a little community that gathers in your name, that listens to you, and um, sensitive to the leadings of your spirit through our people. So give us wisdom. We love you, Lord. Amen. Well, so I think the way we'll do this is I'm going to go ahead and mute everybody. And uh, and then um, if you have a question, uh, just type your name in the chat box, or you can type your question either way. Um, and actually, we got some email questions uh, that I will. Um, I think we can just start with those um, because they might answer your questions, or they might prompt new ones. Um, so. Uh, I'm going to try to remember the order in which we were going to take these because I think uh, I'm going to answer a couple and Denise is going to answer a couple and Anne is going to answer a couple. So let me see. Okay. Yeah. So the first question that we, uh, first of all, I guess, is everyone okay with, um, does anyone need the budget uh, put up? Um, I have a, hold on, I have a private question of someone asking, is this working? Is, is it working for everybody else? Like, can we see each other in here? Okay. Okay. Um, so the, the first question that I got was a, was a really good one, which is just, um, we we jumped the budget quite a lot, um, and so the question was: um, first of all, it, you could see in the budget. I don't know if you saw that our membership numbers are projected to go down this year, and I can talk about why that is. Um, but it's also that we are increasing the budget, and is this a budget that fits a church of our size? So I'll try to take that all in one big question, which is to say that um, church size and budget are things that can be uh, different based on what a church does. I would say our budget is rather large for a church that doesn't own a building. However, we have a pretty outsized outreach budget uh, at the same time. So we give to partner organizations like RUF at Winston-Salem State, RUF at Wake Forest, uh, Crisis Control, the Barnabas Center. We have all these partners, um, and a lot of, we try to give to them pretty generously. So, um, you know, other churches might partner with those types of organizations, but give in amounts that are closer to like 500 or 1,000. And uh, our servant leaders have tried to be pretty generous since we don't have things like a building uh, or uh, or the the pontoon boat that I keep recommending that we buy, but continues to be turned down. So 
Uh, we have a rather large budget for that, um, for not having a building. At the same time, it's a it's relatively similar uh, in the amount of money that our congregants give to the church to the, to other PCA churches, which is another part of it. Is that we do have a a church that represents a wealthier demographic, and so uh, in that way we are blessed to have more money as a church than um, some churches that might be bigger than ours that are in different uh, demographic areas, but not radically different. Um, I, when I look at other churches in our presbytery, there are, uh, there's a couple that are smaller than us that have larger budgets. And there are a couple that are the same size as us that have a roughly the same size budget. So, yeah, so that, that kind of speaks to that question. Uh, as far as the number of members going down, we have members moving away, but we don't, first of all, we didn't know when we made this budget how many people would sign up for Discovering Salem, and we had a lot most recently, and then those folks have not joined. Uh, but our worship attendance has been up significantly, so there's the that number of members reflects what we pay to the denomination and to our presbytery, so they, that's kind of how they'll use a metric to say, oh, do you want to give to, uh, for instance, we give to Covenant College, which is the denomination's college, and we pay, I think it's like $7 per member. And so that input that you see in the budget means that we're going to pay for this many members next year because we know these people are going to be members of our church. They've decided they're they're in it with the PCA, uh, at least as far as... <laughs> you know, being okay with uh, joining our church and our church having the discretion to give to something like Covenant College. So it doesn't mean that the church is getting smaller or that we expect the budget to shrink. In fact, we expect the opposite because of the worship growth, but uh, we don't know if those people will be members that were reporting to the denomination. So that's the first question. If there's more about that, um, I'm happy to uh, speak to that. I guess the last thing I'll say is that um, that question was related to, um, you know, the size of increase for our budget. And it, this is the first time we've made a really big jump. And uh, we are treating the budget, it, it is a forecast based on giving. In other words, we don't build in things that we don't think are realistic. And we do think that the budget that we've put forth is realistic based on the growth of giving over the last couple of years, it stretches a little beyond that. And so we've added these two positions uh, in theory, but the second position is a, is a quote unquote stretch item. So it's something that if the giving doesn't reach that, we, are, we won't pursue it. Uh, but we're building it into the budget on the hope that our giving will match that. And it looks realistic that it could, but if it doesn't, then that puts our budget right back close to what it's been actually, including the surpluses that we've had. Um, so we feel comfortable about having hired the youth fellow, but we're not pushing into anything newer. It's beyond that. So um, why don't I just pause there? Cause that's a lot and it's a big overarching thing. And just, uh, just say, does anybody have uh, a question regarding that topic? And if not, uh, we've got six other questions that we can, jump into. All right, well, the next question was, um, 
And I'm so excited about these. I'm so thankful to have questions and I'm so glad that our church is engaged. And don't be hesitant to ask questions because it's, it's always good to know why we do things. And oftentimes there are a lot of reasons because Presbyterians love committees and meetings, not all of them, but at least me. And uh, I do drag other people into that, even if unwillingly. So there's often at least an answer behind something. And it might not be a good answer. and It might be worth pressing into. Uh, but the next question was our rent. And uh, that question was, uh, how, why are we paying $1,500 plus another $800 to Calvary Moravian? And is that, um, you know, a competitive rate? And have we thought about looking at other locations? And uh, related to that was also, have we thought about looking at spaces that aren't churches? So there's a couple of questions there. Uh, the first is just to answer the, the financial number, uh, we paid Green Street $1,000 a month for the use of their space. Calvary is larger, and at Green Street, we were not allowed to use the whole building, whereas at Calvary, we are allowed to use the whole building. Um, and there's an element of wanting to continue to build into that relationship so that it's um, viable long term. So we want to be generous and partnering with them. So that's why we pay $1,500. So the $1,500 is the rent that we pay them. So that's $500 more than we paid at Green Street. And then uh, the $800 is actually just we pay to them because they contract with a third party cleaner. So um, that way they're taking their money and our money together to pay that third party rather than us paying separately. It's just that we're paying basically $1,500 in rent and then our share of the cleaning, which adds up to $2,300. And then as far as looking at other spaces, um, we have not looked at other spaces recently, though uh, Ben and I talked about this today. And if you've been around Salem, which I think a lot of you who are on this have been, uh, you'll know that when we were looking to leave Redeemer, um, I know at least Don probably would remember this. We were um, we looked at the little or not the little theater, uh, the vintage theater. Uh, we talked to School of the Arts. We talked to this uh, Reformed Memorial Church in Washington Park. Um, i trying to think. We talked to the Enrichment Center. Uh, so Green Street, I think, was our fifth or sixth option after two years of looking. Uh, so that just kind of shows that there are not a lot of spaces that want to rent to churches. Um, and especially on Sunday evening. So all of those places turned us down. Um, we did eventually meet with Green Street. And then when we had to move out of Green Street, we talked to a number of Moravian churches and other churches, as well as uh, Salem College about their auditorium. So we pursued three or four leads. And actually in talking to Moravian churches in the area, including Christ Moravian right across the street from me, we had never even considered Calvary, um, but, one of the things that was kind of funny to me was that um, most of the Moravian churches turned us down because they're, they, or they said yes, except they had like bi-monthly trumpet concerts on Sunday nights. So could we do it every other week? And we were really big on having church every week. <laughs> so uh, Calvary came up because apparently they're one of the only Moravian churches that doesn't have frequent trumpet concerts on Sunday nights. And uh, not trumpet, but you know, brass. Anyways. Uh, so we ended up at Calvary, but again, it was like our third or fourth, uh, thing. So it's, 
all that is to say is that uh, there are not many places that want to rent to churches. So that's part of why I'm always like so thankful and trying to communicate our thankfulness towards Calvary. Um, and then as far as looking at non-church spaces, I think uh, Ben and I have talked a lot about becoming increasingly convinced that uh, that it's part of our church's role in the city since we've made five o'clock, what we call five o'clock our geography to meet in a church building because we can, we're able to share with another church. And if you've been in a lot of other cities, um, churches are getting closed down or turned into music venues or condos or uh, Goler, even in our city was recently sold and it's going to be torn down and turned into condos most likely. And so we want to be a part of keeping those sacred spaces in our city. And that's easy for us because we meet at five o'clock, so we don't have to buy a building. We can just help another church keep their building. And uh, I, I used to think, oh, why do we need church buildings? But I think my mind has completely changed on that. So um, I'll stop there and kick it over to, I think, Anne uh, to talk about a question about salary and benefits, unless someone has a question about um, either of those. Uh, either the budget increase or the um, the uh, rent. All right, Anne, take it away. Okay, so the question um, that was posed about salary was um, more just about what do we look at? How do we know um, how much to pay the two pastors? And so um, really, I was just going to relate to y'all that um, there is actually data that we look at um, that Sherry, hi Sherry, um, has helped us to go through. Sherry's done um, HR work um, for her career. And so she helps us kind of mine through the data. And we have created a pastoral compensation committee that meets every year to review the data. Um, in conjunction with uh, pastoral reviews from leaders and members of the church um, and put forward a recommendation for how much to pay the pastors. So um, I just thought I looked at the numbers and jotted down a couple just to give some context. And then if you have more questions, I can dig more into it. But um, this year, uh, our proposal for the 20 slash 21 budget cycle is that Ben make 95,132 and Austin will make 80,042. Those I adjusted down. If you look at the budget, both those numbers are going to be $10,000 higher because that $10,000 is um, their health insurance for half the year. So just like when I'm actually giving you numbers that don't have to do with benefit, those are their two salaried numbers that we'll think about. And um, so in the PCA, which is our denomination, um, they do surveys um, and collect the average pastoral um, salary. And um, the 50th percentile for a head pastor um, for this, most recent data was 88,682. And then in the entire denomination, the total average is 92,237. Um, so currently, or for next year's budget cycle, Ben will be just above the average. 
and Austin will be um, still pretty significantly below. I think, was it this year, um, Austin officially moved onto, or maybe it was last year, um, that instead of being treated as an associate pastor, he's on the pay track for lead pastor. Um, so even though, if y'all remember, I guess it was last year that the title changed. Is that right, Austin? It was last year. Yeah, all right. So last year when his title changed, that came with putting him on a different pay scale. So when we compare salary numbers with other churches, um, ben and Austin were comparing against the same person at other churches, just so y'all know. So the goal um, at this point is to get over the next five to 10 years, um, get Austin up to about the 50th, a little above the 50th percentile for what other PCA churches um, are doing. And uh, then will keep um, moving Ben up at cost of living. So um, Austin has a 5% increase on his this year, and we're assuming that there'll be a 5% increase for at least another two years, and then kind of reassess data. Um, and then Ben will keep getting the 3.5% increase for standard cost of living. Um, so people were just wondering where that number came from. Um, and so that's, um, yeah. That's basically that answer. Um, and so we, they do data based on like size of church. Our church is transitioning into a larger size. Um, so some of the, you know, we're hoping to be a little above the 50th percentile. Um, and, oh, and just in comparison for benefits, ours are a little bit higher than the average PCA church, but not significantly. I think the average PCA benefits are just under 22,000, and ours are, I think, somewhere around 23,000, 24,000. So um, we're pretty comparable in the denomination for that. So um, if anyone, though, has more questions about salary and where those numbers come from, why we're doing it, you can type it, raise your hand, ask to go away. I just looked at all the numbers, so I should know them. <laughs> Good job, thank you. Yeah. Does anyone have any questions on that? That was a really great explanation. Yeah, well, we just don't want it to seem random because it's not, even though sometimes presentations, we forget numbers. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well. Back we'll on. kick it over, uh, I think, to Denise. Is that right? To talk about reserves. Yes, there was a question on um, our operating reserve and how much money, how much cash um, we have on hand in case of emergency situations. Um, we have regularly been setting aside um, money with a goal of having six months operating expenses on hand at all times. So that's kind of a moving target as our budget increases, then that number would need to increase. But um, we are really happy that we have reached a six month um, operating reserve for this new budget. So the budget, proposed budget um, for 2021 would be a total of 529,000. 239 so half of that six months of that would be 264 619 and um, we currently have in, in a separate operating expense account 
operating reserve expense account, um, $273,000. So because of that, because we had reached that goal, we actually were able um, in the amended budget PDF that Austin just sent out um, a couple of days ago, we were able to remove the operating expense line item. So as so that's not a monthly expense anymore, which actually dropped down our total budget amount by $12,000. Um, okay, so that was one question. And then the other question was um, regarding the youth fellow and how we came up with that salary. Um, again, you know, we have hired a youth fellow. She'll start on July 1st and um, really excited about her. Her salary is going to be $35,000. And that's the same as what RUF pays um, for their, their interns. We wanted to be competitive with students who may consider going into an RUF internship particularly, you know, Wake Forest students, things like that. We wanted for anyone who wanted to stay in Winston-Salem for us to have a competitive position. So that's how we got that number. Um, that position does not have included benefits. <clears throat> we would, you know, you know, we would consider including some benefits if, if the person really needed it. But most likely someone who is applying for that position is still going to have, um, you know, be, be able to be on parents' health insurance, um, things, have a, you know, things like that. So um, that's that. So if anyone has any further questions about that, let me know. That's great. Thanks, Denise. Does anyone have any questions about the operating reserve or the youth fellow? Uh, I thought you did a great job explaining that. Thank you, Denise. That's great. Um, if you if if you have any questions about like even why we have an operating reserve philosophically, I think there there's a good conversation there. But uh, unless you prompt it, uh, I won't go into it now. But just why biblically we think it's important to have an operating reserve, and why also we don't want to in perpetuity just pad it, but give way. And I think that's where we're at a cool turning point where we feel like the Lord is taking care of us, uh, where we feel secure as a church. Uh, but where we now we don't want to keep building a savings account, we want to point that money towards the mission of our church because we feel like our church is secure, even if there was a, a downturn. So uh, that might be a good time to mention also that uh, we as a church, uh, because of that, are really grateful that we've uh, not we've decided not to partake in any of the government programs that are. Um, out there, I don't know if any of you are curious about that, but the Paycheck Protection Program particularly is open to churches. And uh, I think that um, if churches need that, that's great. But you probably saw the news also that those funds were very quickly depleted. And so um, we did not take part in that, mostly because we have a small staff and we have a healthy reserve that was built for times like these. So um, the Last question that I will answer, and then we'll open it up if there's any more. It was about uh, Winston-Salem State and the RUF at Winston-Salem State. And the question was, um, how are donations used there? And, um, and where does it stand as a program? And so I can answer a couple of questions about RUF at Winston-Salem State. Uh, the first thing is that you might conflate that in your mind with Jonah Hooper. And I think something that's really beautiful about being a Presbyterian is that we don't put all of our hopes in one person. And so um, the way that Presbyterians do things like college ministry is different than you might think about other college ministries, which might just look like 
an individual fundraising to go to a campus. That makes sense. But instead, the way that we look at it as a presbytery is that our presbytery says we want to have a presence on a campus, and we believe it's the responsibility of all these churches, and then we're going to commission this one person. So I just say that to say that um, that the rising and falling of whatever happens at Winston-Salem State is not Jonah Hooper's job. It's, it's our job. It's all of the churches together. Um, and Jonah is the person we've called to that. Just like um, it's Ben Milner's job to uh, work at Salem Prez as our senior pastor, but but the the whole thing doesn't ride on Ben Milner. We believe that it rides on the priesthood of all believers. And so uh, that means that when we we knew that Jonah wanted uh, to potentially do college ministry, potentially at an HBCU, potentially a Winston Salem State when we pursued this, but it wasn't ever a given that he would be the guy. And so um, our church, along with a number of other churches in our presbytery, committed to what RUF requires, which is that um, to start a new RUF chapter, your presbytery has to have multiple churches that are willing to give funding for five years. And in the case of a historically black college with a predominantly white denomination, they make it seven years because they feel like it's really important that we don't just say, hey, we'd love to have our PCA church have a college ministry and an HBCU to say, well, you better not just want that, but you better be ready to commit to seeing that through because it's gonna take a long time to build that. And so uh, RUF requires that you have multiple churches commit to seven years. And we were one of those churches that committed to seven years. So we've committed to funding RUF at Winston-Salem State. And I hope Fiona Hooper is there all seven of those years, but just so you know, this is another way it would differ from a um, another college ministry. You're not giving to a person like they're a missionary, you're giving to an institution that Jonah is called to lead, uh, but that we're just saying that we are rooted in caring for something happening at Winston-Salem State, and we're gonna fund that at $15,000 a year for at least the next seven years. Um, and what the first years look like, we're about to get in a, a year, is that um, most of the first year is Jonah going through RUF training. And what is great about RUF is that, um, they treat your they treat your entire career as basically ongoing training because it's it's contextual ministry. So Jonah is uh, part of a cohort of people who are learning how to do college ministry, and he travels to a number of things uh, with all the other national um, REF campus ministers. But then in addition to that, he's also part of a cohort of guys that are leading chapters at historically black colleges. So this year, Jonah has been getting a lot of training and doing a lot of thinking as well as working on his ordination exams, um, continuing to do fundraising, and he's been preaching in a lot of churches around our area just to share with uh, the region what the vision is at Winston-Salem State. So that's what's going on there, and that line item, that $15,000, will be in our budget for uh, at least the next, I guess, this upcoming year and then five sub subsequent years. That's it as far as the pre-submitted questions. Denise or Anne, do you have any commentary you'd like to add or things you thought of? You don't feel any pressure, I just want to give you the chance if you do. 
No. Okay. Well, uh, does anyone have any questions out there on the video call, or are we just going to start unmuting and sharing stories about quarantine life? Um, Austin, can you talk? I'm talk a little bit about um, Jonah's like individual fundraising. So does he has to individually fundraise as well? And how much? You might have gone over that. I think he might have spoken about it at church. But can you go? Sure. Over that? Yeah, and they're not necessarily separate. Uh, Jonah, as part of his job, is called to fundraise for RUF at Winston Salem State. So uh, they're one and the same, they're going to the same thing. And so what he's doing is he's basically fundraising for what is the cost of RUF at Winston-Salem State, which includes his own salary and benefits and the funding for all of his training and travel and things like that, as well as you know expenses ongoing when um, they start having things like large group or things like that, which, you know, just also to give you a, a marker, you know, that's something that RUF usually suggests at new campuses to start a few years after. Um, RUF is very methodical about not wanting to have college ministries that are sort of like fireworks that just blaze onto a campus and then burn out. Um, so the goal is not to get something going big time fast. It could be years before Jonah gets to that. Um, but the idea is that he would be building in leadership that's you know, with students, it's being handed down so that year over year, it's not just this college ministry that ebbs and flows, but actually becomes an institution. And if you know anything about REF at Wake Forest, it's a great example of that because it's been around for so long and it's kind of carried a tradition down and down and down. App State, I, I don't know, I don't know if any, yeah, one of you went to App State. I don't know if you did REF. But anyways, App State REF is another one that has had a, a good tradition, so. Yeah, great question. Thank you. Can I ask one more question to Anne, I guess? Um, I was thinking this in my head, so I figured I might as well ask. Is there a reason um, why we wouldn't like automatically jump Austin up to where he needs to be? I think that I just like a, it, this slowly, like you wanted to slowly, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's looking at it as like he's hopefully, right, going to be here for years and years and years. And um, so last year he got a 10% raise. So there have been a couple of like more dramatic moves up. Um, but I think that just honoring that starting pay and like using kind of the with that goal in sight um that yeah i think just instead of doing a okay and now we're going to boom um sort of a progressive um path forward on that and so that he's also been pushed forward on the pay scale a little more aggressively in the past years so um hopefully it'll get there sooner rather than later and if the mm -hmm. average goes up keep I forgot about that last year, and I'm sorry. I know that was probably yeah. a hard question to, yeah. But thank you. Yeah, that that makes more sense.
Thanks, Holly. Anyone else have questions? I mean, they're even if you're hesitant, someone else probably has the same question if you have one. And again, it's good to just get us all talking about the backbones of the church. So don't hesitate if you have one. All right, I'm gonna give it five more seconds. All right. Well, how many did we get? 14 participants. That that feels like about an average congregational meeting for a budget anyways. So feeling pretty good about that. And we had like a 700% increase in questions this year. So that's awesome. Thank you. Um, uh, Coop, could I put you on the spot to close this in prayer? Thanks. Can y'all hear me? Yeah. Yeah, let's pray. Dear Father, thank you for uh, this evening that we can get together and understand how our church is working with, uh, with numbers and all the work that goes into that. Thank you so much for the servant leaders who spend countless hours on time with spreadsheets and sorting through uh, how to use the money that you've blessed us with. Uh, to, to further your kingdom, and thank you so much for the generosity of our congregation um, to, to use their money, their hard-earned money, to build your kingdom for the way the Mercy Fund is always uh, so well-funded, and for the generosity that we have uh, as a church to different ministries in this community. I pray that um, you would always let us have a loose grip on our money uh, and be generous to give to uh, your kingdom and to those in need around us. And thank you so much for the example of our church in that and the example of our congregation in that. And I pray that um, you would bless us as we venture into this new year with the new budget and new staff uh, goals and new staff that we have hired this year. I pray that um, it would be a great, great year to the glory of your kingdom and to the uh, gospel spreading in Winston-Salem. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.